Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Josh Brown, how lovely are the people listening to this podcast? Dude, the uh, response to last week's Game and Habits podcast, which I oh. really loved recording with you, by the way. Same, thank you. Such a laugh uh, doing that. It was, it was great. Like, I loved uh, everyone. Like, <laughs> a bunch of people got in touch on Twitter, and I was laughing at all the responses. And I it was carried over as well into the entire banner podcast where we talked about just what constitutes a meal. I yeah. had a KFC for an evening, quote unquote, meal last yes. night. It was not fully satisfying. Ow! It was not an evening meal. I tried to go against the grain. It was a bad grain. Man, I immediately after that podcast, I didn't plan on this, but I went <laughs> home and ordered a double succulent Big Chinese Mac, meal. a succulent yeah. Chinese meal, a, a, a double Big Mac yeah. and some chips and some nuggets. And that was like the best <laughs> meal I had all week. It was absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. It was, but yeah, just ultimately, I kind of wanted to shout everyone out because it was lush that everyone got in touch. Yeah. And I really appreciated all the response, especially the ones that said, Josh, you're right. You are right, actually. Yeah, I am a lot like you. Uh, so I, I liked that. I know. I don't have the specific person's name because like, thankfully we did get a lot of responses and genuinely a massive thank you to everybody who listened. It's an honor to be heard by everybody. It's genuinely awesome. Um, but a couple of people just saying, like, I resonate, they resonate so much with the stuff you were saying about, like, staying away from gaming marketing, making sure that they're picking and choosing what they're playing, and uh, not letting the industry dominate the stuff that they play, and that they felt very seen. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there's an emerging contingent of people who push against just how regimented the gaming industry is. Um, and there's a lot, of, um, a lot of benefits to living that way. There is, I think, you yeah. know, not to reiterate everything we mentioned last week, but uh, that's, it's, 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 it's a nice thing to give yourself. It's a nice mm. treat to give yourself. I always find, and I did it this week with a bunch of other games, Scott Tilford. You did, which is a perfect segue into. We should talk. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy 16, but we want to cover a couple of little horrors that deserve um, the spotlight because obviously, right now, in amongst Diablo 4, Street Fighter 6, Final Fantasy 16, the AEW games out in three days, not on the same tier whatsoever, but it will be for me. It's very hard for smaller games to stick out, and two games, um, one specifically Amnesia the Bunker, and also Stay Out of the House, are both kind of doing the rounds. I feel like Amnesia is doing even more of the rounds than Stay Out of the House but they're both worth, worth talking about. They are, man. They're both great games. For me, Stay Out of the House, I mentioned this in the UBP, mm. is better than Amnesia the Bunker. It's a Game of the Year contender Whoa! for me. I finally finished it, and I absolutely loved it. By the way, this is hilarious, because I've played through both of these games to completion literally days after we last recorded the last wind-up, where I said, Scott, mm. I'm having a break from games now that I've finished <laughs> Zelda. I'm going to wait until Final Fantasy. These two nah. just um, popped up, and I couldn't resist. Um, I'm going to describe them both because, funnily enough, they share like loads of similarities. So, Amnesia the Bunker and Stay Out of the House are both um, first-person horror games mm-hmm. about trying to escape a location. In Amnesia the Bunker, that is a World War One bunker that has been um, torn apart by a mysterious monster that is scuttling in the walls. Okay. In Stay Out of the House, you are trapped in the house of a serial killer called the Butcher. You get taken, you get um, locked into a cage, and he's kind of set the house up with a bunch of traps because he's trying to scare you right. for three days before he kills you. So you have three <laughs> days to escape. And in both games, the kind of puzzle heavy. You have to explore the areas to unlock new wings of a location mm-hmm. uh, with very specific items to, you know, get around a, a grate that you need a wrench to, um, you know, remove or something okay. like that. And both games have a persistent monster that you can't kill, but will chase you around the entire location. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it's not a run and hide game necessarily, because you do have tools at your disposal. In both games, you have a revolver. And this kind of sums up the survival horror approach of both, I think. In both games, you have a revolver that you don't know the ammo count of, you have barely Uh. any ammo for, and to check the ammo count, you have to pull the cylinder out, 
in a very slow animation, look at how many bullets are in that cylinder, reload manually one by one oh after God. taking the shells out, and then flick the cylinder back in, and right. you have barely no ammo. The cool thing about Amnesia the Bunker is that every time you shoot the monster, it comes back tougher. Okay. So the first time it might pop out, you might use a bullet to send it packing, but the next time it arrives, it'll take two bullets. The time after that, it'll take three bullets, like four that. bullets, and because bullets are so scarce, you know, it's uh, it becomes more of a risk reward thing. But I you think do get, Resi should have had that. It should, man. Yeah. You do get other items in the bunker, like grenades, and you eventually get a shotgun that nice. um, help you as well. Um, the bunker is more of an immersive sim kind of style thing. It says right at the beginning that there are a bunch of ways to get through the levels, and you're encouraged to experiment. Like mm -hmm. every obstacle will have a kind of slightly different way around it, depending on how you combine the items at your disposal and what you have on your inventory. Mm -hmm. And the bunker. Kind of like Emigrate, a horror game that I played a few years ago called Deadwood, is slightly procedurally generated. Right. So every playthrough, items spawn in different areas. So you can't like rely on guides as you would because like the codes for lockers or certain areas are mm -hmm. always different each each playthrough, which is really scary. Yeah. And the location of the monster is always different and stuff like that. Amnesia the Bunker is kind of like a great cross between that Deadwood game and Alien Isolation, whereas Stay Out the House, which I loved a little bit more, is kind of more atmospheric. It's a low, not, it's, well, it is lower budget, but mm. it's purposefully evoking a PS1 art style. So yeah. you've got that kind of, those low polygons, the kind of weird shapes of, you not sure what is like further on down the hallway because you literally can't make it out because it's like is that a humanoid <laughs> shape is it a lamp is it a is it a door okay. you don't know and it also throws over the top and you can disable this but a, a VHS filter mm. and a CRT monitor filter which that off. is trying to take you back to 1995 <laughs> and I loved both games but that one in particular just you know when a game is just for you yeah, uh, yeah. this was absolutely that like I didn't even it wasn't on my radar at all and I was just doing a thing where I was looking through the recent added games to the PlayStation Store. Mm. And I mentioned this in the UBP, but my girlfriend kind of pointed at it as a joke because <laughs> he, the main cover of it is intentionally B-movie infused. Yeah, like it looks it looks, it looks old, it looks dated, it looks, it looks kind of silly, but intentionally so. But you wouldn't know that if you were just flicking through it. Then mm. I clicked on it, saw this lush art style, jumped in. Absolutely terrifying, great games. Love them, man. Really love I them. I am curious for Amnesia because I played a tiny bit of Dark Descent. I finished Machine for Pigs, and then now it's like the bunker. I feel like Amnesia as an IP is like something that a lot of people bounced off on Dark Descent. Like a lot of people played it, but it kind of got wrapped up in things like Dear Esther and Gone Home and those early 2010s games where it was like they're walking sims. Not much happens. It's a lot of what's in the shadow. You never actually see any creatures or whatever. Do you think that the bunker is the most like? Not necessarily accessible, but the most like you can just give this to someone and they'll have a more they'll have a good time. There's way less caveats with it, or is it still kind of similar to the uh, the originals? Funnily enough, I think there's more caveats right. than the originals because the originals and I, I need to stress by the way, like I'm not even an Amnesia fan. Like right, I right. love the stuff. Me either, really. I love some of the stuff that studios done. Soma is one of my favorite games yes. ever, but the Amnesia series. For whatever reason, maybe it was the settings, maybe it was the characters, maybe it was the tone. I always kind of bounced off it. But I would say they were kind of at least accessible because they didn't have much to them from a gameplay mm. point of view, I don't think. Mm. You were doing a lot of hiding, a lot of running. It's like you said, walking sims. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like you said, you know, they're kind of walking sim inspired where you're going to get the story and mm. kind of anyone can play it. Amnesia the Bunker has way more gameplay elements, but they're way more hardcore. Right. Like it's a survival game um, through and through. You're expected to fail through trial and error. There's only really one save point in the game, like mm -hmm. a centralized area in the bunker. In every run to try and complete one of the wings is kind of like, it's almost... It's not roguelike in nature because it doesn't change in death, but you're, you're kind of expected to die along the way. You're expected to be knocked back to that save point mm. to execute another plan or a variation of that plan. And in that sense, I think it's actually maybe more restrictive than the other amnesias right, because okay. you're, you're going to lose progress. You need to um, juggle your inventory, mm -hmm. uh, which is incredibly limited. Like I said, you only have a few bullets for offense. Uh, you might get lost. You might not know where to go. It's kind of open-ended. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll get the, lost. the whole bunker is like... You don't have many directives. You need to read the notes scattered around the bunker to know where to go next. It's like whilst being hunted. Whilst being oh, hunted. I'll, I'll, mm, yep. And there's that mm. persistent enemy at you all the time. And even worse, Scott Tilford, <laughs> um, or, or even better, depending Bet on how much you love this. I have an anxiety condition, so I hate this. Right. <laughs> 
Um, not only is this persistent enemy after you, not only do you have a limited inventory, but you also have a generator that needs to be topped up with gas. Oh Otherwise, the whole bunker plunges into darkness, and then right. you can't see where you're going. And if you make noise, then the beast will come for you. So yeah, every time you go out on a on a quote-unquote run, you're always aware of how much time does the generator have, how much gas is in there. Do I need to go back with the gas that I've found to top it up before to bank my progress or or what? So there, okay, there's okay, so okay. many stresses on you in that game. Um, That's a pretty cool, uh, really cool structure though that gets around the sort of the thing that I hate about dark levels that I literally just can't see where I'm going, yeah. but I'm stuck in them, like in the depths where I'm just like, there's the thing I need is somewhere in here, yeah. and I can't do it. At least you're sort of aware of when it's going to go pitch black, and you can sort of mitigate it. That is true. And don't get me wrong, there are still some pitch black areas even if you put the <laughs> generator on, but it's it's cool the way that it. Um, makes everything into like a strenuous mechanic. Like mm. you have, you do have a flashlight, but it almost works kind of like a chainsaw that you rev. You have to kind of pull a cord. That's cool. But every time you pull the cord, it makes a lot of noise. Yeah, There's yeah. revving up. So if you're in that dark area, you do have this thing to rely on, but you might make loads of noise revving <laughs> it up. And then the monster <laughs> might kind of realize you're there and then it'll pounce on you, you know? Did, uh, have you, in, so in, the thing with Amnesia Games, when I, because I reviewed a machine for Pigs, it was one of the first games I ever had access to early. Shout out to newgamernation.com. I don't know if they're still alive anymore. But I used to work for them. And um, so I got access to machine for pigs now i thought that game was extremely atmospheric and super effective and brilliant the idea of just this like pig sounding humanoid thing that was following you through like victorian england or it looked like victorian england um, and you could hear it and you could like you just went into a, a room and then the door would lock behind you and it was right there but you couldn't yeah. see it at some point i was too curious and i was like i'm gonna wait and let it catch me because i want to know what this thing looks like and um there was one bit where you're in like a darkened room and it's like a big sort of platform uh, underground i think you are and I just kind of waited. I knew that you could hear it. It was right there in terms of the audio design. So I just let it catch up with me. And it looked terrible. It was like, it would look like a weird PS1 model in amongst everything else. And I love PS1 models, but it just looked terrible. That whole game just sort of fell apart at that point. Right. Have you let the bunker creature find you? And does it look good? Without necessarily spoiling it, but is that effective? I think it looks good. I Sweet. do think it's effective. Like when this, uh, when the creature comes out of the walls and starts hunting you, like I love is, a creature in the walls. I'm yeah, just man. Alien like, isolation. Oh, man. When you walk, like, there's like sort of like these um, Tom and Jerry style like <laughs> openings in the wall at the bottom. And sometimes you don't know where the creature is. You can just right. hear it scur scurrying. But I just imagine you doing the Tom scream for a <laughs> yeah, second. Ah! <laughs> uh, but sometimes you can see it's like claw, like sort of um, protruding from one of these holes. And oh, you know cool. that if you walk past it, it's going to jump out on you. Right, okay. Um, like the design, like... Yeah, if you keep getting killed by it, it will probably stop being scary. Mm. But I think the design itself is really cool. Okay. Um, and the, the tension, like you said there, and sort of the sound design is incredible because not only can you hear it, you know, rummaging around, mm. but you're in a World War One bunker. There is a war going on above you. So sometimes you'll be walking through and the entire bunker will shake because you'll hear an explosion on the top because someone's mortaring the position of something. <laughs> so it's like you, you can never really tell if what you're hearing is the bunker itself, if it's the wall going on above, or if it's the monster behind you, which is really um, neat. But speaking of great sound design, yes. I think Stare of the House might even have better sound design. <laughs> that was one, right? Like, like you mentioned there, when sometimes in these horror games, when you see the creature chasing you, and, and once it grabs you a certain amount of time times, you just kind of get frustrated mm. because you're like, oh, that's just progress lost. You're not scary anymore. That was you're it, just an obstacle. alien, yeah. Every single time... I alerted the killer in Stay Out of the House to my presence. It hits you with this soul-piercing shriek that is so scary that right. every time it was effective, and I got caught a lot. Right, okay. It would just maintain that sense of dread all the way through. I was so scared every single time he was around, even more so than the bunker. Um, out of the two, Stay Out of the House is better for me, but that's maybe the harder sell because it is this kind of PS1-style um, throwback, it is more obtuse because it's also taken, um, you know, inspiration from 1990s survival horror games mm. where you can just get kind of lost and you might not even know what to do. I got stuck in the opening section for ages before I got my bearings, mm. but if it does click with you, 
terrifying, so good, and just, oh, man, so unique. I am loving the return of PS1 aesthetics. I feel like there's not, there are very few and far between. Even something like Signalis was such a callback to, like, Resident Evil 1 and 2. Yeah. And, well, and 3 as well. And then Devil Daggers is, like, an old-school kind of Doom-looking thing. You've got this, which is, like, lots of polygonal horror. And I, I feel like we talk about polygonal horror quite a lot. Yeah. Because there were so many, like, weird-looking creatures in a lot of those old games, like in Tomb Raider, the Atlanteans, I think they were called, in Tomb Raider 1. And there's things with the big fangs and everything. There's, like, there's something about the lack of detail that makes your mind fill it in and fill the gaps in and you subconsciously render it out yourself and that can be really effective dude that is that is absolutely it with stay out of the house in Mm. particular especially because the you know like the environment that you're in does have a lot of detail there's a lot of spooky stuff you can find in the house but to me it's biggest strength is that it leaves you for long periods of times time without a scare and without much like music like there's so many moments in that game where you're just kind of walking around the corridors mm. and it's eerily quiet and you can hear every kind of creak and the game yeah. is patient with its scares and I love that so much. It has a prologue called um, Night Shift which is not set in the house. It's the prequel to how one of the butcher's victims was taken and That's you play cool. this character going to the Night Shift um going for their night shift shift at a kind of <laughs> a, a store in the middle of nowhere, like mm. a gas station. And you play out that entire shift. And for the bulk of it, nothing happens, right? You're just there sweeping up. You're right. there moving around the um, items, like, you know, bag, packets of crisps and beer that needs to be it's put gonna on It's going to remind me of working retailers. But without spoiling too much, like, the way that get thing builds, because, you know, it really captures the idea of being alone mm. and kind of everyone who comes in is like a suspect, but you don't know what their intentions are. You see this van driving around and it doesn't stop. And you think, were they scoping (laughs) me out? Were they just kind of pulling in for some other reason? And the way it builds on your imagination, exactly like you said then, it builds that dread to the eventual payoff, which is great. I just think is... Oh, it's magnificently done, and I wasn't expecting it. But that's the thing. Both these games sound awesome. I wanted, I want to play both of these things. There is no time on this earth right <laughs> no. now. Like I'm, uh, I've done enough of Diablo Four where I'm like satisfied with it. Where I, I'm very aware of the loops that make up that game. Um, and so, like, I did that across the last sort of couple of weeks where I was like, cool, I get what this is. I'm, like, level 30 rogue or whatever. I've done enough. I've started, like, five saves. I've done a little bit in each class. Yeah. But my point is that there are so many games right now that I sort of, I'm trying to get to a point with, I'm either trying to finish them or I'm trying to get to a point with them where I identify the gameplay loops and I'm, I'm like, confident enough in having a conversation on it. Diablo is never really designed to be finished. There is a main story. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, I would love to play both of these games, but I'm also, like, neck deep in uh, Final Fantasy XVI. I, I get it, man. Like, I, I came away from both of these games, and, like I said, Stay Out of the House was a huge surprise, and it's uh, published by a company called Puppet Combo. Yes. We have a bunch of other games as well on console, um, which is great for me, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to put Final Fantasy down and play those. <laughs> but before we move on to Final Fantasy, I want to ask you a question, because yes. we started talking about this before we started recording, and I mentioned there that Stay Out of the House has this um, art style that is evocative of VHS grindhouse movies and you combine that with a PlayStation 1 you know um, art style Mm. and you might have something that is unappealing to look at because it is grainy fuzzy it's fuzzy like it's 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 all got this gray sheen on it because it's like a VHS which didn't have you know great contrast or black levels or whatever Yeah, yeah um and you can turn that stuff off but I worry, and I totally get why, that it might be off-putting to mm. people experiencing what I think is a great horror game. My thing is always going to be, because I, I, I just want my, like, I'm 34. I yes. grew up through a lot of fuzzy-ass TV time. And as things got clearer, HD came in, 4K came in, clarity is good. <laughs> and so that's like, I don't want to go back to, like, worse tech. Like, there were, like those those picture signals back then, the 90s, they, if you go earlier than that, the 70s, the 80s, looked bad because that was as good as they could do. And so, like, my thing is always, like, I, I want the clarity of, of the ability. We have a, we have the ability to be clear now. I'd like the clarity. And um, so it depends how much it's designed with that stuff in mind because if they're letting you turn it off, then, then I'll turn it off because I want the clarity. But... It's one of those things where, like, does it fundamentally have an impact on the way that I'm playing the game, on the way that I'm reading the level design? Am I am I missing out on something? Am I, am I um, interpreting what an object is wrong because I have this optional fuzzy filter on? That's when it would kind of get in my way. But it's one of those things where it comes back to my thing of like game devs and autorism and like the idea of like the creator, where I'm just like, what do you? How do you guys want me to play this? Like, have the conviction in your design to lock those things on if you think they're intentional. Ah, it's it's funny because I I like that they're there because mm. some people you know just 
won't want to experience that fuzziness like you mentioned. But for me, every time I turn them off just to experiment with the different graphical options that are on display, because there are loads, like mm. I said, there's the VHS mode, there's a 1999 mode, there's a 1995 mode, and if a couple others, or you can just turn it does them sound, off. That stuff sounds great in this case, sounds awesome. Totally. So you can kind of tailor it almost to your own nostalgia and mm. your own kind of favorite style of retro media, which is fun. But I, do, Sorry, super quick. Yeah, do you on. turn CRT filters on in games where they didn't have them in the first place? Like, um, loads of games that come out now, like the Sonic uh, Sonic Mania or like the different Sonic collections. Like some of them obviously were CRT, but like loads of games now have CRT filters. Their photo modes have CRT filters. I personally hate that stuff. Only if it defaults to that. Right. Um, and it defaults to that here. So I, I kept it on for the entire thing. I kept it on, or maybe I even turned it on with Signalis as well. Yes. Um, if it's an oh, optional- I turned it off in Signalis. Right. <laughs> if it's an optional thing after the fact that it doesn't default to that, I probably wouldn't mm. because it just seems like a novelty. But- the games where it seems like it's designed with that in mind, I like to have it on. And this does seem like it's designed with this in mind because, mm. like you said, the way you read levels is different if you turn it off because everything is way more clear. Mm. You can see the items. You can see the the boundaries of the level. You can see what's in shadow and what isn't. And it, that almost made the game too easy for me. Uh. Um, so I liked the kind of obfuscation of mm. it and having to... Um, literally creep around the uh, entire house because I didn't quite, wasn't able to fully gauge where I was or how dark something was or whatever. Mm. Um, so it worked for me, but I just I just know it won't work for other people. But hopefully yeah. they still get a good experience out of it if they turn the stuff off, which is why I think the devs included it. Mm. I'm definitely going into it wanting the the old school throwback approach. Like it it seems like counter to that to then sort of gussy it up and make it super clear and make it look like it just dropped right now. Even though I do have a soft spot for really pristine pixels and really pristine polygons and voxels and everything. Um, but yeah, in this case, it feels like such a confident like art direction that like that's what you're going in for it should yeah. be that and um, yeah i'm super super curious i just know that i don't have time like yeah. i'm trying to cram final fantasy 16 into the next three days what? because then AEW is out and i just want to play AEW. Oh. i'm waiting for an AEW video game for like three years dude so you've been playing final fantasy for like 10 years i know no, it's not gonna happen final fantasy we're waiting for for seven, seven years that was 2016 um but yeah it's not gonna happen there just are too many games dead space in the corner dead space never getting another look at dead space is dead to yeah, yeah, yeah. now like, i think just it, it takes up dead space to be honest <laughs> at this point I um, like uh, yeah. no, I mean, we're going to jump into Final Fantasy mm. for me because I don't have the AEW game to look forward to or really <laughs> anything else until maybe the end of August Final oh. Fantasy now is like that's my new game and I can take my time with it which right. is really exciting until I go back to all of those other puppet combo games do I have my little list of stuff I have a list of games that are coming out I don't have that much in July there is an Expanse video game then for August though um, that's when Sea of Stars is out and, and Under the Waves and Sonic Superstars so that, that's another three for me that's a month or been a bit away so. I didn't know Under the Waves was um, August yeah that is great yeah. oh man there's all the Marios there's all sorts of stuff um, Final Fantasy 16 though um, to pivot into that you've started it I'm about 10 slash 11-ish hours in. I'm um, not going to do any spoilers. Um, well, well, we'll not do spoilers outside the demo. I think that's fairer. Yeah. We should be able to talk about the stuff that's in the demo um, because e even in itself, there's an event that happens towards the end of the demo, um, which is sort of interpretational anyway in terms of what the game wants you to think. Um, I know the resolution of what they're hinting at, but I'll, I'll not obviously reveal it. Um, but I think it's just, we need some sort of grounding here in terms of what people have played. Yes. Um, but where you are on it, I've played a lot more of it than you. Well, here's the thing. Can Go I on. just say initially before I actually started to play it, the hype you barely could. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. But the hype was so through the roof for this game. You had such positive reactions yeah, to man. it. The internet had such positive reactions to it that I don't. we don't get paid until this week. We don't get paid. <laughs> right, until, okay. Uh, but I just needed this game. So I was scrounging down the back of my couch trying to find <laughs> any money that I could. I was Sell Zelda. The music boxes. I traded in some old euros, to converted those over, and I finally got enough money. That's how desperate I was to play this game. Uh -huh. Like I was just like, right, I need to find this money somewhere in this house. <laughs> and I managed to, which was great. That's all the uh, physical money in my house this is one of those gone now one of those habit title. things as well because you had enough euros lying around that you hadn't converted how do you have euros lying around that you hadn't converted I've got all 20 pound notes lying around that I haven't converted and I need to do that at some point because I, I know you, the cutoff point's gone but I think you can still take them my to head's banks. in my hands Josh it's terrible man I'm bad this He's is why I'm, I swear I don't use 
money anymore. <laughs> Why you only use you can't digital, use that money? You've just lost digital it. money. Yeah, that's, that's it because it just lies around the house and it's behind couches and it's just. I'm, I'm oh. a nightmare person, man. I'm a nightmare person. <laughs> uh, but the point is, could have bought even a meal with that. <laughs> you could. The point is, I was so hyped to get this game that I jumped through all those hoops because I needed it, mm. and then I finally sat down with it last night. And unfortunately, it immediately overheated my machine, so I saw the first thirty seconds of the game about five times, but then finally got into it and. It's an interesting game. Uh, yeah. It's way too early for me to properly come down one way or another on it because I have so much of the game to see. I will say that by the end of that two-hour period where you told me the demo ends, yes. I think that final cutscene is genuinely incredible. Yep. It got me into the story massively. The voice acting and performances in that scene were unreal. The spectacle and scale of it mm-hmm. was something that, even though I'd seen the trailers, I still wasn't expecting it to go that hard and feel so big and it feel is so next epic. Level. Um, we're going to talk more about the combat, but in terms of just the visual presentation of it, the cutscene direction, the grandiosity of the story, I am incredibly excited to see where <laughs> all that goes. I want to ask you about the uh, the Game of Thronesiness of it because it's emerging as a bit of a divisive point as people have got hands on with it across the weekend. Um, very divisive overall, Final Fantasy sixteen. There's yeah. there's one portion of I'm not, not going to say the fan base, one portion of people out there having a go that it's a, a PlayStation exclusive, so it gets getting review bombed over on Metacritic because it's associated with PlayStation. So a lot of Xbox people are annoyed about that. Um, there's that side of it. There's the combat side of it because it's nowhere near what a traditional Final Fantasy combat system would be. There's the Game of Thronesiness of it, where some a lot of stuff is, is almost quite literally lifted from Game of Thrones. Like yeah. you pretty much have a dire wolf. There's um various ways the scenes are framed at the beginning, especially that are very like Game of Thrones. The uh, even the line delivery and like some like some of the um more like sort of sexually charged nature of the characters is very Game of Thrones tone. Um there's all that stuff. Everything is working for me. Yeah. Um I'm I'm like largely completely on board with it. I think it's a little bit weak in terms of the st- what's happened in the story. Um, but I also have to hope that they're playing a hand, that they're playing quite a slow burn hand. And I'm curious what happens holistically um, because it opened so, so strong. And that was, I was the video that we did across the, the first few hours of the game, I was so effusively praising it. And it's not that I wouldn't necessarily now, but it has settled into a different rhythm. It opens in a very different way than the way that it settles. Um, and I think that it'll it'll chop and change around. And there are definitely spikes of like incredible five-star stuff. I had proper jaw dropped, oh my God, this is phenomenal stuff. Nice. Um, But it doesn't keep that needle pinned, and it almost kind of, it's almost like languishes a little bit. It sort of, it it really does take its its time in certain spots. Yeah. And then they start giving you certain story beats that, at least to me, were extremely obvious um, hours prior, where you're spending so much time and so much production on having these big, drawn-out conversations with characters just to tell you the thing that the audience already knew, because we have a different perspective on things as the audience anyway, jumping between different, um, you know, uh, factional conversations and stuff. So I think it's 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 kind of str- it's the weirdest final fantasy. It's it's a weird thing. Part of me kind of hope wishes that they called it something else. Um because not entirely you can still have it be final fantasy. Something we had Stranger of Paradise yeah. and that's not getting held up to anywhere near the same degree because it's fundamentally different. Final Fantasy Type 0 on uh, Vita was a different thing. Um, because it's named differently. Or sometimes all it takes is a different name. And I think if you'd called this, you know, Final Fantasy colon War of the Icons or something like that, maybe it would have saved everything in terms of the, the divisiveness of it. Because I'm not on board with the it's not a Final Fantasy people, but I know exactly what they mean. Like, it's very obvious. You know me, man. Like I said, this is in my franchise. Mm. I don't have skin That's why I'm super curious. in that way. But I, I love that this is a numbered Final Fantasy um, experience. Mm. One, that kind of confidence... Got me interested in it. Got me interested in it massively. Mm. If this was a subtitled spin-off, I probably wouldn't have bothered with it because I'd have been like, Ooh. "Well, that's just over there. It doesn't seem substantial." Because this is such a change, and it's got that numbered title. Mm. As an outsider, I'm like, "What's all the fuss about?" Yeah, they're committing what? to it. Yeah, they're mm. committing to this. Where's this confidence coming from? What is the direction of this? Uh, but I totally get people thinking it's strayed too far away. Mm. If you're a fan of this channel or podcast, you'll know that I love games taking big swings with sequels and Same. I, and I, even if it doesn't always work I like to see how malleable a franchise is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned though the, the Game of Thrones influence which is obviously there right from the very start. Mm-hmm. Honestly for the first half an hour I kind of was a little worried and cautious because entirely personal tastes I liked Game of Thrones but I already have Game of Thrones and yeah. I don't need imitations of that I've not watched uh, even the House of the Dragons spin-off because it's like okay I've got that experience I don't need Game of Thrones light or Game of Thrones adjacent so when they started like 
talking in those thick British Yorkshire accents and they start throwing around the word cock all the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've done this before, man. I've done We've it been before. Here. I've been here. But by the end of the demo section, I guess mm. is worth referring to it as, um, it managed to meld that intrigue and that setting with something that, at least to me as an outsider, felt more... Final Fantasy infused or certainly more fantastical in general yes. with the icons, with the scale of it. And then I was interested. Once um, that scene happens towards the end of the demo where you get the betrayal, you mm. get the, the king who gets beheaded in front of the sun, you get the big fight between those two icons, a fight to the death and the kid dies. <laughs> I just, I, I, by then I was sold and yes. I thought, okay, on paper, this might not be my thing from a setting perspective, but you've sold me on it, and now I want to know more. We uh, should talk about the action stuff because um, the way they've designed the because the, their whole thing, Yoshi P, uh, Naoki Yoshida, you know, the um, one of the dudes responsible for Final Fantasy fourteen, the producer on this, his whole thing was like making it the the Final Fantasy for the Call of Duty fan. Like, how can we get the wider audience in? And some of the tropes that they're leaning on, some of the ways that they've designed a almost on paper mass mainstream action game. There's a lot of quick time events. There's a lot of like um, different gameplay modes for like a section. Like the very first thing you do in the game, I think, is the worst thing you do in the game, where you control Phoenix and you're just pressing triangle to fire volleys of, of rockets at uh, E3. That's all you do. You can evade, mm. but you very hardly ever need to. Um, that's one thing. There are lots of quick time events in um, some of the boss battles where it's just sort of like, oh, when the screen goes blue, press square. When it goes orange, um, press R1 or whatever. Um, I think in the moment it works. I never hated quick time events. I was never that guy. I always loved God of War and quick time stuff. I never hated Spider-Man's versions of it. I think they're fine. They're definitely an implementation, but they are very much an outdated implement implementation. If we're in, a, in converse, conversationally, they totally are. They're definitely yeah. re they're referred to as something that the industry moved on from or whatever. And I feel like Naughty Dog or Insomniac, like they found ways of doing them where the scene is still fundamentally interactive, but doesn't necessarily rely on a big button coming up on screen. So like some of the stuff that they're leaning into is like, it's like Western Gaming 101 kind of thing. And like, what, how do you find that? So how did you find that, like that Phoenix of Freak fight? And then how did you find, how do you find the combat in general? The Phoenix of Freak fight, like there wasn't much to it, like nah. you said, but I thought as an opening salvo, cinematically it worked for me because I thought, I can't believe we're starting with something this big. I mm. was interested in what the hell was going on. As someone who doesn't know Final Fantasy lore, I had no idea what these things were. They oh, were okay. just big monsters to me. So then Did when you, you get the reveal towards the end when you revisit it and you play through it with a bit more control and you mm. can aim it and you realize it's like it's Joshua and someone else. And I was like, that has recontextualized it in a really good way. It worked for me mm. uh, presentationally, but yeah, it is a mechanical introduction there's not much there but i can kind of under, kind of understand why yeah it's just it's like trying to like ease people in or whatever but it's, it's just, yeah there was something about the way that they lean on some of those tropes that just it just felt like you final fantasy is like this big totemic force in gaming it has been for like over three decades so to see them sort of like lean into tropes like established tropes elsewhere these are the guys that make the tropes like for them yeah. to be so aggressively game of thronesy and so aggressively referential and like um i think that's part of why a lot of people are bouncing off it in terms of the it's not my final fantasy it's not a final fantasy or whatever i like i said i'm not fully with that i'm not even with that crowd at all even though i can see what they're latching onto um, it, it, the majority works for me, but it is one of those things where I, it's one of the only times that Final Fantasy has aggressively leaned in a direction they never have before right. just to get a more mainstream appeal. Right. I mean, It feels like that anyway. It's, it's, it's funny, man, because some of the most effusive praise that I had heard coming out of the demo was around the combat system. Yes. And I don't know if they give you more abilities in the demo than they you massively do. They massively do. Right. In the final game, that opening two-hour stretch... I was, I was, I was, I'm not going to say the combat system is bad. It's way too early, mm. but it doesn't make a good first impression for me. Okay. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns, but a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Toss. The combos that I was using like weren't there. It was the same four-button square combo, and I could use ranged attacks, and I had one of the R2 specials, but I was trapped in some of those big boss fights with the... Is it mobile, is it? The, mobile? The, no, the big like sort of plant mouth thing that you oh, fight at the beginning. It's, um, oh, my God. It has different names in different Final Fantasies. I think in this one, it's called Lelet Modura or something. Okay. It's like a Molduga. I forget. It's right. got different names. Anyway. Well, I was fighting that thing yeah. with the same four-button combo and the same kind of like basic attacks, and I thought... Are you not unlocking stuff? At that point, I don't um, know. Maybe I could. Maybe you it, totally it, can. Maybe I could, and I just didn't. Oh, like, dude, I, I immediately paused and bought the charge stuff. Right. Like, well, yeah. the, funnily enough, the thing is, I did after that section. You go back to Clive. I immediately went into the um, mm. menu and bought all of the moves, like the downward, right. like slash, and uh, you get another R two special. So I bought them all. Then you probably could have initially, and I didn't. I might get be misremembering. I just I, rem- I thought I had a wider variety of stuff. But you're I mean, either way, right. it doesn't push you towards that stuff very well at all. That's it. Either way, even if you could unlock what I unlock, what I've got unlocked now with Clive, let's say, mm. and I, like I said, I could be totally wrong about this. I just didn't think it made, there wasn't much variety there and I was trapped into those lengthy boss battles that went on like a little bit too long mm. and it was a fine combat system. Like it was still satisfying, but comparing it to the first impression that Final Fantasy VII made with its combat system where you could uh, swap between those characters and you could, you felt like you had a bit more depth mm. and I was at least doing more combos it was more confusing to me as someone who hadn't played final fantasy but it felt like there was depth there to learn whereas in the opening of final fantasy 16 i've kind of got to grips with it so quick and then managed to get bored of it by the time those two hours were up but that was like i'm like i'm saying that's incredibly early Mm. doors and even when i jumped into modern day clive and had more of a move set and did those unlocks Mm. it started feeling better it started feeling more diverse in what i was doing um, so I kind of hope it continues that trajectory going forward and I do get more stuff. Yeah. And fights are more interesting. That's the thing. They they walk such a well, they walk such a line with this that you can see exactly what they're doing. Like they're taking a, a vested turn based, largely turn based, associated RPG franchise and making it Devil May Cry for 40, 50 hours. How do you onboard that entire fan base to like this whole other way of playing? And there is like action uh, there's like an action focus or a story focus in the options you can just like toggle on or whatever. But they try and walk that line to sort of like like give you a really basic set of animations like attacks and ranged attacks and whatever and they hold back so much on giving you another icon it, it takes like five or six hours before you get a meaningful upgrade to what your square and triangle and circle even does um in terms of like the holding r2 and the special moves and stuff and that basic circle move does change like when you have uh, phoenix it's a dash and you get different icons and that that changes the different things cool. one of them is like a defensive like fundamentally defensive stance it's in the demo um, once you finish the story portion of the demo they give you like a combat arena and they give you or they gave you um three different icons to play with i think it was like phoenix um garuda which is the wind one and titan which is the rock one. Um, so like Titan's the the buff, the the Titan block thing. Um, so there's more there, but it but it takes hours and hours and hours. And like obviously like in amongst the maelstrom of the the varied reactions to this, like I saw, I can't think who it was. Some journalist just said, I'm done with it. Like they were mm. over 12 hours in, they were like, it's not grabbing me, I'm done with it. And I feel like there is like a mixed response to it because the combat is being referred to so much as like this masterpiece. Like the guy that's, um, the DMC combat designer that they got in from Devil May Cry referred to this combat model as his masterpiece. Really? So like, yeah, so it's like by the end, it must be incredible. And like in the demo, like you're cycling between three different icons. Like where I am in the game, I've got three. Um, but it's, it, it, they do a whole thing where like what, two of them are the same one. It's a whole thing. And so like the way they do that stuff, it's like I have more moves but I feel like until you have that it's it's very repetitive yeah um, and like the whole thing as well just to tie into that whole thing of like they're onboarding like a populist between genres um 
in old Final Fantasies, you were building you were building a party, like you know you were building different um, ways that spells would combo off each other, or like you know different buffs based on the items or whatever. You were building up, you were making a party build. You're not doing that here because you're not like customizing anyone else. Like it's it's only Clive. So in terms of like the build mentality that goes into a Final Fantasy, it's only to do with the combat. Like you're just choosing what moves should I slot together that will work together. Like this launcher goes into this mm. aerial combo, goes into this downward thrust, which means that they're weakened and I can do this. Like it, that's the build bit. That's the and then it's up for debate whether that still is a Final Fantasy or not. Yeah, that's like something alien to me, Scott. Mm. Because even though that was in Final Fantasy VII, I did. Didn't use it too much, truthfully. <laughs> didn't use. You must have used materia and stuff. I use materia, but uh-huh. like I, I use materia, um, not in the same way that you did. Like I use no them way. as kind of I'm using the special moves in this game. Or I used it to heal a lot because I okay. use Aerith's heal a lot. But, but, but hold on, this is funny because this will be one of those gaming habits things. Yeah. You didn't like you didn't get lost in the materia system in terms of like oh if I chain like the the all materia with fire I can then cast to everybody or like oh, I put the like the heal on a certain elemental buff so I can I can I block all fire because fire is attached to the elemental no really I used whatever made the numbers numbers highest <laughs> I used whatever awesome. made me have more defense or offense I did not no. tailor it to specific enemies apart from maybe one or two really tough boss fights okay. but um I never just found I just never found like I had to I was getting through fights mm. relatively well and it's not to say that the system isn't great or there isn't depth there there obviously is just in terms of how I played that game I played it more like a straightforward action game mm. I played it more like I'm playing Final Fantasy 16 I wonder if they monitored people's playing habits and just said like look this is what everyone doing yeah, let's just maybe. do this because the yeah the material stuff i think it's like phenomenal but it maybe it almost is fundamentally optional i don't know man like i guess on certain difficulties i definitely feel like it is i remember you talking to me about your second time through ff7 yep. you played it on hard i was mode. gonna say the hard mode is that game absolutely totally. and you were talking about how the combat system just opens up and everything clicks and it's like got that depth mm-hmm. to it but yeah that depth at least in the early hours of 16 isn't there, mm. and I am confident that it will get there. It's just, in terms of first impressions, I'm kind of waiting for that combat system that everyone is raving about to properly kick in. And like yep. I say, I'm two, two and a half hours in, you know what I mean? <laughs> out of a potentially 80-hour game if I do all the side missions. I'm not expecting it to be fully formed at the go. Mm. Just, the, I was surprised that the story and the cutscenes got me in more than the actual gameplay. Mm. I do have one legitimate gripe, and you, I would like to be either told that this is going to get better or it's going to stay the same all the way through. Yes. The level design, I really don't like in terms of how linear it is. Yeah, and how, it's very Final Fantasy 13. Right, okay. How yeah. every, it doesn't even, stick like that. Even when you're outside in like a forest or a canyon, it feels like you're always in a corridor. Yeah. And I don't love that at this start, and I hope the level design gets more interesting and varied and better. It does, but not for about eight hours I'm okay with that as long as it does eventually. I, even the stuff where it opens up, you get much bigger land masses and there's things to find. You can run around. There's like random enemies to encounter and stuff. It's not, um, at least where I am, and I guess I'm about 10-ish, 10 or 11-ish hours in, it's not... Um, like, if I wouldn't say to someone who was looking forward to that, buy the game for this. It's just that they do start to relax that stuff. Because that was very noticeable. One of the biggest yeah. things that people hate Final Fantasy thirteen for is because it was entirely corridor-based. Well, I mean, well, for 20 hours. FF7, the remake, you know, that has a lot of areas that are linear and mm. are obviously sometimes literally just corridors. Yeah. But I didn't mind it so much in there because what I was looking at was gorgeous. It was like this okay. world that felt fully formed and everyone who's played the original already knows how good the world is, but this is my first time experiencing it. Uh-huh. So I was loving like the little environmental flourishes, the buildings that I was in. You're describing Final Fantasy 16 to me here. Is that? Well, here's the thing. That's great to hear. No, I but just, from the beginning, though, like immediately. Really? Yeah. What, in terms of them the actual the level little, design? No, well, in terms of like loving what I'm looking at, the world being fully formed, them using the crystals to just pour some water for each other. Like, that's all dope, that kind of stuff. But I've only had that once. I've right. only had like that one castle scene where I've seen that stuff, which mm. I really enjoyed. But I just mean that everything else in terms of gameplay level design has just been, um, you're in a, like I said, an empty yeah, canyon yeah. that is crumbling um, and there's not nothing to look at, no environmental storytelling in that way. You're in an empty bog. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> like, I'm sure that'll get better. I hope it does. Yeah, I just, yeah. I w- that, that kind of just exacerbated the feeling that I was walking down these combat corridors and FF7 to me kind of had that more uh, stronger start where it was like, here's the world and mm. here's 
um, something to ponder, whereas, like I said, in 16, it's like, here's a big canyon. No, sorry, you're totally right. I mean, the uh, yeah, Seven's remake, like you do the bombing run, but then you're immediately back to um, hang out with everyone and go to the bar and you can run around and everything else. Um, 16 takes its time. You do go to like various villages and stuff. I thought you meant like, and I guess you do mean like literal landmass wise. Does it ever become just more freeing in general? And it does yeah. um, to different degrees. There are just bits about like six to eight-ish hours in where you do get a, like, a, a way bigger landmass and you can just run the whole way along it and it feels like you want to chuck a boat to explore it with yeah. or whatever. Well, so, yeah. that's it. Like my, my, my favorite part of the demo uh, no, my favorite part of the demo section yeah. uh, was the, like I said, the, the betrayal at the castle, the siege in that castle. Because at least when I was doing combat encounters, it was in this lush location. It was on fire. Mm. You're in this castle that has all of this environmental detail. Uh, you've got the plot drive. You've got these characters coming in and out. Where it was, it was just kind of contrasting that with the immediate level afterwards, where it's Clive after the Titans have been, well, the icons have been fighting mm-hmm. and then you just sort of like you, you, I lost that sort of um flair in the in the, in yeah, the environment yeah no that's that's totally true it, they do a, they do a weird thing that there are Final Fantasy 13 comparisons being made to it but it's I mean like again I'm waiting to be able to view it holistically um but if I'm just talking about the first sort of 10-ish hours then yeah there are a lot of corridor bits there are a lot of just big old cutscene you regain control you walk forward a tiny bit another cutscene like I love that I love the presentation I'm there for the, the grandiosity of it and it, for me, I've found that it does have a nice blend of uh, gameplay and cutscene. And I'm when I'm in those more open-ended bits, I'm doing everything in those spaces. Like, yeah. I'm talking to the NPCs. I'm doing ah. everything. I'm finding all the items, and I'm doing all the... I'm fighting everyone, getting as much XP as possible. That's when it really feels the most like a Final Fantasy. Like, here's a space. I'm going to grind everything out. I want to find everything that's here. Um, but yeah, it, it walks a weird line between those things, where they, they need to front-load you with a lot of world-building stuff and a lot of um, character drive, because that's kind of all they have. Mm. They Structure-wise, story-wise... And again, it's only for the first bit that I'm on. Um, it's nowhere near the the framing device of previous Final Fantasies. Like 15 was a major departure for that because it was just you and the boys trying to get to a wedding. And then over time, Arden, who was the main villain, like appeared, but he was barely a presence. It was just towards the end. It was just, oh, I guess this evil dude needs sorting and he's super powered, so we should go fight him. Um, nearly all the other ones have laid out their stakes pretty clearly. Um, and obviously the most iconic villains are Sephiroth or Kefka from 6 or... Um, Kuja or whatever from 9 like they're always immediate or like Seymour in Final Fantasy 10 and maybe they want to get away from that because mm. they want to make it more mature and they don't want to be like here's this one cackling villain there are multiple cackling villains or there's a whole faction that needs to be taken care of or whatever and 12 was a bit more like that um, but it, it's one of those things where I, I kind of long for it a little bit. The only drive that I have right now is entirely based around Clive where he's just searching for the truth what happened on that night with the big betrayal thing um, and just trying to find, find that out. And it works as a character piece. And I love Clive as a character, um, but it doesn't have that wider feel yet. And I hope it gets there. That's what I'm aching for. Without the context of the other games and the drive of the other games, it's working for me. Yes. Uh, like, there is sort of like a villainous faction, I guess, they established early on. I would fully agree that Clive is the hook for mm. me as well. And the biggest moments have been revolving around characters that I didn't even think I would care for. But right. then I absolutely have, you know, immediately following the demo section, you know, Clive uh, runs into a character and that was a big the moment. The character of the year. If yeah. you're talking about Sid, I don't know. Oh, well, who knows? Somebody else. I might not be talking about Sid, yeah. who knows? But he runs into a few characters. Yes. And immediately I thought, right, this connection, this relationship... That's what I'm interested in right, right now. Like I said, it's the Game of Thrones thing where, this, where the scale is so big and I'm so bad at keeping lore in my head. <laughs> I don't know anything about the houses in Game of Thrones. I won't know anything about the houses in Final Fantasy 16. But as right. long as I know the characters within those houses and how their relationships function and their dynamic, mm. that's enough to drive me along. Mm. And in this very early stage, I'm absolutely hooked on the story because I want to know more about who these people are. Are you doing the active time lore stuff? Yes. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. that's so helpful. It is. Like, I, it's, I even, even every time, I pause every time some new character gets mentioned or whatever. Um, it's like the the view on, like, I think Amazon still has it on the Amazon Prime thing. Yeah, Where it brings yeah, up yeah. the actors and whatever. It's kind of like that. X-ray system. The X-ray stuff. And it's kind of like that. And so, like, I like that as an approach because it's like if someone mentions a term, like, oh, the bastards or um, Sam Breck or whatever, or Rosaria. It's like, okay, I can just pause and look up the history of that place. And I, I love that stuff, just being available. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that, but it, it's so much headcanon. There's so much stuff to remember. There's like, there's different regions and different factions and different, 
there's like we're talking about an 800 year history of the place anyway. Yeah. Um, they refer to the twins, which aren't even a people. Like, there's just lots of stuff going on. Like, uh, it was so helpful, and I knew that I was going to be able to stomach the story and law more than I thought I would when I, you know, used that system. Mm. And I figured out what the again I've forgotten the name of it already, <laughs> but the the big power that all of the things are situated around uh, that they're fighting over initially. Um, sure, the mother the, crystals. The, yeah, I think so. The mother crystals, like uh, the big, there's the, loads of the mountains, right? They're like the big mountains. Yeah, there's loads of different types of mother crystals. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I know there's like five in the region, and that's what all of the main powers are situated around. That's what I know. Yes, okay, at this yes, you mean the time. crystals? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like the big, <laughs> the big, because there's only a certain amount of dominance as well. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, there's yeah. all the specific regions. Yeah yeah, 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 totally. Just, just to be able to figure out what that was, at least in the broadest terms, was uh, really handy mm-hmm. for a, for a dummy like me who has a brain like a sieve. I see. I don't. All f- falls through. I don't think that's a you problem at all. I think that they they are relying on you pausing because you wouldn't even know the active law stuff was in there unless you happen to pause a cutscene. Um, I don't think they really flag it. They flagged it for me, which okay. was nice. But, maybe um, I found it first. You maybe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you might have I because I it was one of those things where like because I paused and because I was then diving into the law entries that did help with the framing of what's happening between like the Iron Bloods and the Dolmechians and we're all in Bastia and whatever. But, like, that level of, like, you're being very terminology-heavy, yeah. I love. I want to hear really good, like, meaty lore. But, like, you do need to take a minute to sit back and just read for a sec. Totally. And to be honest, that's exactly what I signed up for mm. with Final Fantasy XVI. I, I didn't sign up for just an action game. So when I see the criticisms online about, like, too many cutscenes, I'm like, man, even as a non-Final Fantasy fan, <laughs> that's what I'm here. That's what I want. Like, that's what I've come to this series for. Yeah. I want to know what the fuss is about in terms of the story and the cutscenes, the presentation, the world building, mm-hmm. because it's something that I don't usually get in the action-heavy games that I play. Um, so to have that stuff right at the start, I kind of... I was able to ease into it and think, okay, like I want to go on this journey. I want to know what a Final Fantasy story looks like. I want to know what the presentation is. Phrasing it that way is the bit that makes me itch because I'm just like, I think it'll get there. But it's it's so, it's so st- I'm like, I'm so cautious of someone going through this as their first Final Fantasy. And then like the bits that work are obviously beautiful and brilliant. We, t- we can talk about them. But I so far, and I, maybe it'll change. But even then, 10 hours into Final Fantasies 7 through 10, far more had happened. Like yeah. way more had happened. Way bigger stakes, way bigger world depictions, whatever. This is assumedly going to be a Final Fantasy story overall, but it, it isn't one yet. Don't get me wrong. When I say what a Final Fantasy story is, mm. I don't mean that in terms of specific themes or characters or structures Mm -hmm. or anything like that. I mean it purely in terms of a story-heavy game that has a lot of cutscenes, you know what I mean, and is over the top in terms of its visual style and Mm -hmm. choreography, and I'm getting that right now. I know that's an incredibly reductive way to surmise that franchise, but it's kind of like... It's the same thing I would say if I went, I want a Metal Gear story. It's Mm. not about the themes necessarily. It's like, I want it to be cutscene heavy. I want it to be like constantly shaking up where I am um, and whatnot. It's funny with um, Final Fantasy as a series, though, because, you know, we always joke that you're always like, you've never played a proper Final Fantasy. You know what I mean? Because I've only played Final Fantasy Remake and now this. But it just makes me question, if this also isn't a quote-unquote proper Final Fantasy, like, what is? And it almost seems... But it almost seems like, as an outsider... Is that not a reductive way to look at the franchise that at this point, if I can play two main installments in it, those aren't considered proper um, Final Fantasy games, then I'm like, like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe the criteria is wrong, I don't know. I don't know, it would be like playing like Halo Wars or Halo Spartan Assault and then being like, well, they're Halo games, so I've played two, two Halo games. Not main ones, though. Nah. That's, that's kind of the difference, I would say. The number say. thing for 16 definitely justifies that. Like, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things where we talk about like franchise associations or gameplay styles that things move away from over time. Like uh, Metroid, like it was like, if, you, if you'd only played Metroid Prime, that's a beautiful, recommendable game, but you haven't played like a proper Metro because you've not played Super or a 2D one. Like it's just it's just those weird occasional franchises that go between like vested identifiable elements for multiple decades and then switch and get more people in, but they were never there at the start. Again, again though, I'd say that's- Nothing wrong with it. It's no. just that that's what I would be referring to. I would say that's, again, as an outsider, that's that's different because I look at Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise and I know that's not, that's not mm. a main one. That I wouldn't have the, the core Final Fantasy experience if I, if I played that, mm-hmm. but it's if, if Halo, the gameplay of Halo Wars was in a game called Halo 6, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I would be like, well, that's the main Halo. Like, that is what Halo is right, now, right, you right. know? And mm-hmm. it's the same with this. It's like, I, I've not played Metroid Prime, but to me, when playing that, I would know that it's not what Metroid is because it's it's subtitled. Oh, it's yeah. not a different title. It's, it's a spin-off. Whereas with 7 Remake, I guess that 
does have the caveat of it being a remake, but with 16, it's like, that's a that's a kind of like a main installment. Mm-hmm. Is that not a... Is that not a Final Fantasy? Is that not just what the Final Fantasy? Welcome is to the now? ongoing debate between yeah. all the community and everything. I mean, like, yeah, I, like it is. It's numbered as such, but then at some point, it's it's just a title. Like, yeah. it's going to see how it feels like holistically by the end of it and everything else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not with the. It's not a Final Fantasy like crew, even though I can point to things and be like, oh, I kind of think more stuff should be happening by now. Um, maybe, yeah, I'm just a uh, like free. Maybe I'm just a a, a, a mad <laughs> hippie, right? But I always, not saying you specifically Mm. here, but I wonder if what people define Final Fantasy um, as Mm -hmm. is what they just viewed it as when they were kind of younger and experienced no. it for the first time like i think there's not changed to a certain degree where you just you do, like honestly like at some point if you play if, even if you just play like a half an hour of final fantasy six six through ten or one through ten like if you played any of them for like half an hour or an hour you would you would see how they're so massively different no i'm not saying they're not different don't get me wrong but right. i just I, I i do genuinely have an issue with people telling me and I know you've done this before, but I don't mean this like in a personal right. way. Just, I just like as a as a con- from a conceptual level when they're like you haven't played a proper X. Like I know you you may have done it before with Breath of the Wild. I mean, like, I, I largely think that. So like a, you might as well just say it. No, no. I mean, I'm saying it now. I just don't want to make it sound like I'm saying you're gatekeeping this. Right, right, right. That's not what I'm saying at all. Mm-hmm. Just I'm just saying like personally, I'm like, well, I don't understand. You tell me that Breath of the Wild isn't. Uh, proper Zelda, mm. but I'm like, man, like to some well, people, well, traditional Zelda, yeah. yeah, traditional Zelda. But to some people, that's going to be the only Zelda they know. In mm-hmm. going forward, if that's the new norm, like that is fundamentally what Zelda is now. Yeah. And why can't something change to that level? I don't know. I don't know. I understand oh, saying it's not a traditional Final Fantasy or anything like that. I get it. But to say it's just outright not Final Fantasy, that's kind of where I, again, no, but- as an outsider, I'm like. You're you're what? attaching worth to that statement though. Like they they are different. They can just be as valid as each other. Like new Zelda is just as valid as old Zelda. It's just not the same. Like the like I said, that's why it's like traditional Zelda. Like old school Final Fantasy. That's why I use the word different. Like they they all have value. It's just like yeah. If I'm saying Final Fantasy 16 isn't isn't a proper Final Fantasy, then like it's it's because there are so many defined terms for those originals. But it doesn't knock the quality of both no. approaches. I I like I like I I like when you use like it's not a traditional. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just there's so much baggage, not from you, more from the internet mm. when people say this isn't a proper thing. Yeah, they then go down the value thing and be like, Oh, it's worse, it's terrible. So like, no, it's just different. That's it. To yeah. me it feels like it's it's almost gatekeepy ish to say it's not a proper thing because it's like Man, like, why do you get to say that it's not? It might not be a traditional Final right. Fantasy, but to say it's not a proper Final Fantasy or to say it's not a proper Zelda because it yeah, has dead yeah, yeah. to deviate, that's where I get a bit defensive because I'm like, no, nah, people will love this style. To some people, this will be that franchise to yeah. them for better and worse. And I would love the conversations of is one better than the other, like traditional versus contemporary. Those are the kind of stuff that we talk about all the time. Dude, totally. And I, and I love those conversations. I do just, I guess, get my back up when someone would say like, nah, you haven't played the right one. And I'm like, no, nah, right, like, you right. can't tell me I haven't played the right one. You can't say that. Like, it's no, not they're all you. they're all right ones. Yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's, I'm fascinated by that stuff too. I think, I mean, at some point we're talking linguistics or semantics or something in totally. terms of the way that things are labeled or, uh, or discussed or whatever. But I think, I mean, yeah, there are various tenants to this particular IP that have like, you know, become known, become loved over 30 plus decades, uh, 30 decades, three decades, <laughs> 35 uh, years or whatever, 36 years that I guess some people miss or some people do associate with it or whatever. And those things are not in here. And like, I can get super granular about that stuff because I like have played all, all those games. But yeah, it doesn't take away from the the value that this game brings to the table. That's no, why like yeah. everything that we've said on this podcast um, doesn't negate the quality of Final Fantasy 16 whatsoever. It's no. just massively different. Um, but I, that's one of the most fascinating parts about it. It's yeah. Because the value is is in there, um, and then holding them up next to each other, like yeah, it's, it's what you said. It's it's the compare and contrast. Absolutely, which is what I love, and it's just it's funny. It's just funny going to different franchises and seeing people more protective over what they view mm. is proper and what isn't. Like one of my favorite franchises of all time that I talk about every single day <laughs> is Resident Evil, right? And weirdly in that franchise there isn't necessarily a consensus of what is proper resident evil or Mm. not because it had so many changes you've had the tank controls you've had third person you've had first person Mm -hmm. and it's 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 just strange to contrast the fandoms because you can go into them in resident evil 7 is just as valid as resident evil 4 which is just as valid as resident evil 2 of course people have their preferences Mm -hmm. and that's where the discussion comes from but it's funny going over to other franchises where people just say nope that isn't 
Resi's a really good one because if you came in on six, that would be the Final Fantasy 16 of Resi. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, yeah, I've played, I've played a, a real Resident Evil. And then you, we, someone, I would probably be like, you haven't really, though, because they've changed it so much. Mm. It's not that you can't love that game, but it's nowhere near Resi 4 or the original trilogy or whatever, or whatever tenants we would then pull from that would qualify what a Resident Evil game, a game is. Yeah. They're in six, but they're remixed or watered down to such a degree that it brings in that mainstream audience. I think that's, that's a really good comparison. No, that's, that's, that's an interesting perspective because I think, like I just I sort of wouldn't do that. Like mm-hmm. if someone had played Resi Six, I'd be like, "You played a Resi, you played a bad one, but well, it's yeah, yeah. it's as valid as the rest." Especially because, like you said, it does carry over some of the themes and some of the. It's a, it's a natural progression of what was started in four and then five, and then mm-hmm. they moved to six, and but it's not like, one, two, and three. Not the lifeblood of the IP. Totally, totally not. That's but, the argument at the core of the Final Fantasy thing. But I I wonder whether that's just because they don't find Final Fantasy sixteen good. Because I'd hmm. say. Resident Evil 4 doesn't have the lifeblood of 1, 2, or 3. That is a completely different mm. game. And even at the time, people were probably oh, I saying... Don't know. I think a lot of the campiness is still in 4. Like, a lot of the presentation is the same. True, but could you not say that about Final Fantasy 16, that a lot of the presentation is the same, or they have the bare bones of what was in <sighs> previous games, you know? Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you go back to, like... If I don't want Final Fantasy again, then, yeah. like, the originals, especially, like, 1 through... More so, like, six, 4, 5, and 6 are, like... Yeah way lighter tone, like way more campy, like especially in terms of the uh, the characters in six. And then like seven was like the grim dark kind of let's save the planet kind of one. And then nine was super light again. Like that, that's a whole granular thing. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. But, but like, overall guess, though, like, yeah, generations of fans. Yeah, 100%. I guess my point with Resi would be that Resi 4 was accepted because it's viewed as one of the best games mm. of all time. But if that game was only a seven out of 10, you might have got people saying they've changed too much. It's not a proper <laughs> Resi. Like with... Resident Evil 6, you know what I mean? But to me, the jump between 4 and 6 is not as big as the jump between 3 and 4. No, and it's it's one of those things like when they try to do um, the mainstreaming with Bomberman. It was a Bomberman X, and they made like a third person shooter and stuff. Oh, okay. On uh, 360, I think it was, um, and that was the one that just didn't work at all. Yeah. Like you know, these come around every now and then. I like, try and bring in wider fans. I like that's if you're getting completely subjective about it. I do think there's enough Final Fantasy ness in 16. Um, I think that a lot of the best parts about it in terms of the icon battles work better because they're playing off 30 years of depictions of those characters or those creatures. Um, but it's just, it's just there's a certain level of like whimsy or adventure or um, like fantasy or whatever, like high fantasy and lighthearted adventure-based fantasy that is like usually Final Fantasy's lifeblood. And like they've gone around the block on that like so many different times. And Final Fantasy 12 was a quite a big depiction for a uh, departure from it. Um, so yeah, it's just that thing with sixteen where like yeah, I agree. Like it's it's just as valid as the other ones. Then the more interesting part is is comparing them. Um, but I can't not identify how different it is. Like no. it's the same as if it was Resi Six or if it was Metroid or whatever. That's absolutely it. And I don't. I wouldn't want anyone to overlook that stuff. I'm not mm. at all saying that Final Fantasy Sixteen is a natural continuation of Fifteen. <laughs> or you could play that and Final Fantasy Six back to back, and like you would feel like you're playing the same series. Not at all. Just to kind of rather, and again, you're not doing this specifically, I've just seen it doing the rounds online, right. to, to kind of shun it and say, like, we don't accept you. Oh, nah, F that stuff. I yeah. think anyone who's just been like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. I can't possibly look at this thing. I like, know, look at it, see what you think, genuinely. Like, yeah, I would apply that to everything. Um, yeah, it reminds me of, like, the, the change of the guard in um, Star Wars fandom over the years. Like, the original prequels were like, well, episode one received pretty well, but then immediately it was, like, sort of hated by the old school, but that's not what Star Wars is, it's this. And, uh, and it changes over time, and now the... Uh, the prequels are very much reappreciated in Final yeah. Fantasy's context. Thirteen was despised, but that was a lot of people's first Final Fantasy, and they got enough of that core. I'm going on an adventure, whatever it is, whatever that core feeling is. Uh, of Final Fantasy was still in there enough um, that it works. Our own Adam Strawn over on the main channel absolutely loves Thirteen, mm. and whereas I absolutely hated it, and I even going back to it over the years, I could never get it. And so it's like, hopefully there's enough of that core feeling in 16 that it'll be someone else's favorite Final Fantasy. This is what I love, and this is why I love it when these main sequels have the confidence to properly slap a number on it and say, no, I know it's experimental, Mm. but we're not going to caveat this. We're not going to asterisk it. This is a main series, and we want you to discuss it as a main installment. Like I said at the start, that's why 16 was so appealing to me, because I'm like, this is a bold swing for the main franchise. I need to know what's going on. It's not just Mm. treated with the caveats of, it's a side thing, it's over there if you want it. 
Um, and I like it when franchises do that. I like it when Resi does it. I like it when movies and mm-hmm. move movies do it as well. You know, it's the, just the, the flip side of that coin though is that they are then by default invoking all the comparisons to the previous fifteen main installments, absolutely. which can go not in their favor. Like oh, when they're up against some of the greatest games of all time, at least like from their respective eras and what they did with the whole other genre and everything else. Um, but that is also what leads to the best conversation. Like I can't wait for you to see more of it. Yeah. Um, because like obviously my perspective is colored by thirty plus years of Final Fantasy, and like that's a great perspective for me to have yeah. and it elevates a lot of the stuff here but I some stuff might not even matter to you and I, and I love that perspective it's mm. why I want to get on board this train because I want it <laughs> I want this game to be compared and contrasted to the other games in the series I want to know what other games did better I want to know what this does better I want to mm. know what the games did worse I want to know what the story different yeah, you know deviates and all of that stuff that's mm. why I'm here that's what I want I want this as part of a larger conversation not just kind of on its own mm. I'm going to pension music for a second right yes. because I know I always talk about this but it's why I love I mean I love the Arctic Monkeys right the headline <laughs> Glastonbury at the weekend <laughs> but they released one of their most beloved albums of all time with AM absolute smash broke America billion streams on Spotify yes. and they followed that up with this experimental concept album that was a lounge singer um, like departure from their desert rock influences on AM, right? Okay. And initially, the band was like, this is experimental, this is weird. Do you want to just release it as an Alex Turner, who is the vocalist, an Alex Turner solo project? project. And then they ultimately said, no, this is what we want to do next. This right. is going to go under the banner of Arctic Monkeys. We want it to be analyzed within that canon. We want this to be the next step for the band. Mm-hmm. And I'll always love that, like to have the, like he was using the word confidence, whether you like it or not, to have the confidence to go, we don't want to be defined what we've done in the past. This is the next step, and we want people to talk about it as the next step. That's why I, I, love, that's why I mentioned Metallica. Convos, man. Yeah, man, that was why I mentioned Metallica when we did the uh, the hands-on with Final Fantasy 16, because they've always confidently said, no, this is Metallica. Even when it was the dog-worst thing they were doing with Lou Reed, yeah. they were like, no, it's it's Metallica and Lou Reed. Um, but that's, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same thing that goes around in circles in terms of, like, if you listen to the Lou Reed and Metallica album, you've not listened to a Metallica album. Like it's it's one of the versus the stuff that like ride the lightning or master of puppets like it's just not the same thing like it's the same brand but it's not the same thing I think like that's the conversation that would just do the rounds forever right yeah you, yeah you would be like well I've listened to like on paper a Metallica thing um but it wouldn't be the same core thing and I think for me my approach to those conversations is just telling people that there's so much worth in those in the ones that put them on the map in the first place like there's so much worth in those original Final Fantasies absolutely I guess yeah I suppose that would be where we would maybe have an almost fundamental disagreement mm. because like. Like I said, if someone picked up Tranquility-based Hotel and Casino, which is that experimental one from Arctic Monkeys, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, you've you've listened to a to a Arctic Monkeys album. That is who they are for that period mm-hmm. and who they are now. But if you didn't like it, and um, if it wasn't your style, don't worry. They yeah, have a bunch yeah. of different styles in their back catalog. They like <laughs> try them. It's not- and I love that for Metallica's main catalog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like like you said, it, I would I would always define it as that might not be quote unquote traditional Arctic Monkeys or early era mm. Arctic Monkeys, but it's still part of them and it's kind of like just navigating that without invalidating a certain era or a certain approach and whatnot. But yeah, like you said, we'll go around in circles <laughs> on this one. Uh but it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, man. I think all these, these things will kind of come to define Final Fantasy 16's place in the final in Final Fantasy overall. It's already happening across like the weekend. It's already happening across social media in a way more vitriolic, violent way than the conversation we're having. Um, because there's so much review bombing. There's so much, oh my God, F this game and whatever. Just take it on its merits. See what they're going for. My overall golden metric rule is just what were they going for? What did they nail? They yeah. couldn't care less about doing a turn-based Final Fantasy at this point. Um, and they're not even remotely trying to do it. So it's going to be conversations on does the combat work? Does the combat build work? And then how does that, how do the mentalities that are in this game pair with 30 plus years of invested IP? And I always think, right, correct me if I'm wrong, would you want them to do a turn-based system? Not in terms of like, would you prefer it? I right. know a lot of people would, mm. but if their heart's not in it, like if their heart's not in it, would you prefer something done to appease you if they're not passionate about it? Or would you prefer an action-driven focus that they actually care about. To me, I always prefer the system, even if yep. it's not what I prefer, and I might not play a game because of it, that people are that they're passionate to make. I know obviously when they were making like Final Fantasy 7 or whatever, mm. they were passionate about those mechanics, and then might not be for me, but I, I'd always prefer that than them chasing the mainstream 
um, just because they feel like they have to. Which I know? guess is, yeah, I mean, yeah, you should never do something to appease the, I think you should just do the stuff that you creatively, passionately want to make and then see how that uh, shakes out. Obviously, part of the dis- discussion around 16 is how nakedly it's taking things from Game of Thrones and how nakedly it's doing mainstream mechanics like quick time events and things that we would say are outdated um, to try and get that wider audience in. That like that was the thing I said 20 hours ago when we started this about the, the way it's all kind of rolled out, the fact that they are Final Fantasy bending to copy this other thing. They've yeah. never really done that. And I think that's a that's an interesting talking point in itself as well. Um, but yeah, for now, this has been the wind-up. I don't even know if I did our names. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you throughout the week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.